Hello guys, Britt here, and first of all, I hope you accept my humblest apologies on the tardiness of this podcast. Um, that being said, there are a few things I wanted to cover that were originally supposed to be in the news section of this podcast. The first thing being is that Shane Salk, the voice of Angel and co-producer of We're Alive, is working on a new project. Him and some cast from We're Alive, including the actors Skittles and Victor, are working on a Christmas Carol remake. This is significant because the last time this story was recorded was live back in 1937, so it's been a good chunk of time since this has been done. Um, so if you go to zombiepodcast.com slash forum on the main page, you're going to see a link that says A Christmas Carol slash Awesome Perks. It's a blog post. If you click on it, there'll be more information there. But in a nutshell, if this project gets funded, Shane will produce a fan fiction podcast or a fan fiction script if you will. So if it gets funded, um, we will host, we being We're Not Dead, will host a contest where you guys can submit a fanfic and you can record your voices and all that good stuff. Shane might even lend his voice if you want him to and we'll send your tracks to Shane and he will produce it and make it amazing. So that's really cool. So make sure, again, you go to zombiepodcast.com slash forum and it'll be one of the main articles on the main page and click on that for more info. And finally, in sad news, Jenna McCombe, who plays the voice of Scratch, her four-month-old puppy Han Solo has suffered an accident. Um, Han Solo has broken his leg in two places, and the vet has told Jenna that he requires surgery, which is unfortunately going to cost $4,000. So if you would like to donate to the cause, you can um, head to payitsquare.com slash collect dash page slash 3102 or you can go to the we're not dead facebook page and we have a link maybe five or six posts down that you can head to so i think that about wraps it up so please enjoy this week's podcast and again i'm so sorry it's so late we're not dead a podcast about a story of survival. Hello, welcome to episode 21 of We're Not Dead, the official community podcast for We're Alive. I'm your host, Brittany Brummerocker. Greg Miller is back this week. Hey, Brittany. How you doing? Hey, Greg. You know, I think the real question is, how you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Don't worry about me. You know, you've been MIA, we've had search parties, it's been ugly. I, I, I always tell you I'm not going to be on. You could just tell the people where I am. I could, but that's not fun. Oh, okay. And because we're reviewing the third episode of a chapter, we have Nick Voodoo with us. Bat to the am. Bam! Hey, Nick, how have you been, buddy? I have been good. I can't really yeah, complain. Got lots, of, got lots of predictions for us this week? Actually, kind of not really, because I'm taking my time <laughs> to make sure I get a whole bunch of them in. So I've got oh. a couple that I can give you, but I haven't really thought on them full out yet. I've got like a whole bunch of ideas brewing in my head, and then not this upcoming Monday, but the Monday after the 25th, so like five days before the uh, big streaming event, that is when I will have my blog hit, and that's when all the predictions for the season finale will come out. I don't care what's about about the future. I want to know, do you have the shit now? Because this is why we have you on. I've got enough to keep my pristine record okay. and See, that's, that's all you needed. You've wasted 30 seconds of airtime. 
and it's thirty yeah. seconds of time that you didn't have to talk though. <sighs> got you there. Okay, whatever. All right. He's filling well, the show, Brittany. We got this. Well, we yeah, got these, you're not contributing, these, Greg. We, oh, right, because you're asking him all these questions. I'm going to interrupt. I don't think so. Mr. One-Liner Answers. Ah. All right, so we can jump right into the episode recap. So 23-3, The Devil's Workshop. Riley and Kalani are making their way through the hospital, searching for generators that Riley had seen before. Kalani wants to tell Bert and Angel what their plan is in case they decide to, you know, take a dirt nap. But Riley says it wouldn't do any good, and plus she doesn't know if the generators will even work. They walk through another door. They look on a map and realize they're at Kane Mental Hospital. I bring relief to troubled minds. This place wasn't even on the map, or at least it wasn't labeled. Riley is a little weirded out and suggests turning around, saying they can find a way around. But Kalani says they should just go through it. As they're walking through the hall, Riley notices blood. When they turn the corner, Riley describes the hallway being bathed in blood with streaks across the floor marked with hand and barefoot prints, trails indicating that people had been drugged through there. Bits of hair and skin were clumped together. Several rooms had shattered windows and doors completely ripped off. It smelled like rotting flesh, just like the arena. Riley wants to turn around, but Kalani essentially tells her to grow a pair and deal with it. Kalani notes that some of the gore is fresh. Riley notices they're stepping on a bunch of fingernails and toenails. Ew. Gross. Kalani then, that is so disgusting. I am not a fan of clipped nails. That's just disgusting. I mean, how many times have you seen in the movie, like, someone's being dragged somewhere and they, and they show that close-up of their fingers and the nail just snaps off? And how many times Ugh. do you just go, you. No, that's disgusting. I like how you jump to, I'm not a fan of clipped nails, as if somebody was clipping these nails. They weren't, they weren't there as a product of some horrible okay. experiment. Okay, you got me. Good job, Greg. No, I'm like my worst fear is, you know, like to be in a ball pit, but of clipped fingernails and toenails. You know how really? disgusting that would be? That's like a fear factor thing. I can't even say that I had ever put those thoughts together. A ball pit full of... Am I, the, am I just weird? That's not gross. Well, you are anyway. just weird, but I don't know if that... I mean, that particular thought is not weird. That's just gross. <laughs> anyway, um, Kalani then makes the comment, is someone trimming a Great Dane around here? Again. Ew. In a room, there was a set of bloody clippers and files that were sitting on a table, as well as a little silver pen attached to a motor and battery. I had a hard time understanding Riley. In, term, in terms of what? Listen, like, un- interpreting what she was saying. Her accent just, like, super uber thick. Oh, I, I, underst- I understood what she was saying. I was having a hard time visualizing some of the things that she was saying, like, the pen. Like, it's like nails it, all over the floor? Well, Ugh. that part was pretty... Self-explanatory. No, but like the the contraption that she was describing with the, which basically yeah. seems like it's turning out to be a tattoo gun, is what it sounds right. like. But the contraption itself seemed a little odd for me to put together in my head. But yeah, there, the was, idea there was a was... lot of a lot of crazy descriptions with needles and rooms and things, and like it was hard to keep up with it all. Kind of reminded me of a Silent Hill game. Uh, Riley and Clonny peer into another room. In there, a blood-soaked bed was surrounded by needles and a broken glass. They suddenly hear someone coming, so they head to the end of the hall. The door at the end of the hall was large and metal and already open with a key still in the lock. Kalani takes the key. As they are halfway through the door, they notice the silhouette of someone at the end of the hall confidently walking towards them. But when this person gets to the center of the hallway, they stand still like a statue. Kalani tells Riley to get behind the door. When Riley asks for a second time who it is, Kalani says, It's him. It's him. The one from the arena. The fucker survived. Riley opts to shoot him since her bow would be quiet, and if you listen closely, you can hear the guy laughing. (laughs) She shoots an arrow directly at his heart, and at first she and Kalani think she missed, but then she says she sees him holding her arrow in his disfigured hand. Disfigured as in a hand shot by Bert. Possibly. 
They flee through the door, and although Kalani thinks he locked him in there, he can't understand why he didn't call others. Kalani is pretty adamant at this point that they just leave. But Riley spots the emergency generators. There are three of them. One of the generators still has fuel, but the other two, the two that powered the building Burn and Angel are in, are empty. Riley and Kalani set off to find a hose to siphon the fuel with. So then it cuts to Bert and Angel. Angel is still holding the door handle. In a random outburst, Angel says, Oh, get to the chopper, like in Predator, right? Bert was all, and, But Bert says, it was all coincidence. Which makes it even less of a coincidence that yep. Casey put it in there. Changing the subject, Angel asks Bert if he thinks they'll eventually tire out. Bert says, Nope, they'll just wait them out, like what happened with him at his gun shop. In that case, Angel suggests they just do it now, since they're still strong and have energy. They might as well go down fighting, killing as many as they can. Bert says he wants to hear the helicopter first, so he knows Riley and Kalani made it. Angel is worried that they won't hear the chopper, but Bert assures him they will. A sudden hum is heard in the background, and they assume it's the helicopter, so they prepare to go... Because they're stupid. Who's ever heard a helicopter hum? Like, oh, that's it, clearly. They just wanted to kill themselves. They're ready to die. (laughs) Well, they're hearing it from... They're supposed to be hearing it from a distance. Come on, now. I I understand that... I'm just playing the devil's advocate, because I can't imagine that... Of course you are. ...that would sound anything like a helicopter. But you never (laughs) know. They were just ready to die. They were tired of holding the door. Yeah. So they assume it's the helicopter, so they prepare to go batshit on the zombies. Angel asks when he lets go of the handle that Bert earns him enough time so he can grab his rifle. But why wouldn't Bert just hand Angel's rifle to him? Because that would be logical. Stop it. But no, did I miss something? Or is, I mean... It was the heat of the moment, Brittany. Heat of the moment. Well, I think it's one of the things that, like, as as soon as Angel lets go of the door... Uh, even if it's to get the rifle from Bert, that means that there's going to have to, Bert's going to have to shoot to keep them off of him so he can actually turn around and actually get the rifle in position and blah, 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 blah stuff like that. So that's okay, probably yeah, what I, he's I, but, talking about. Okay. Otherwise I was like, okay, so he's going to let go of the handle and walk across the room to grab his rifle when Bert, but got it. Um, so they start a countdown from three. When they get to two, Kalani radios in and asks Bert how his C4 works. Riley tells Bert that the emergency lights are on, and Kalani informs them that so is the elevator, and that's what the hum was. They tell Bert and Angel that they're heading up the elevator now. Their plan is to clear a path with the C4. Angel is worried about the plan, that they will be blown to bits as well. Bert reassures Angel that it will work, and this is just what he made the C4 for. Bert instructs Kalani to toss the C4 all the way down the other end of the hall, away from him and Angel. Bert asks what channel each of the walkies are on, and Kalani says 2-1 and 8-2. Significance, maybe? Did you go back and listen to those episodes? Uh, people in the forum did. I did not, personally. I've just recently done a uh, re-listen of uh, Season 1 anyway, so I didn't feel the need to go back. But someone said the 2-1 was when Lizzie showed, was up, when right? Lizzie showed up, but then no one could find a significant piece of 8-2 that even remotely made sense to try and fit into the story again, so mm-hmm. I'm not sure it was anything other than this is where the walkie-talkies are being set on because they have these settings. So once they toss it, Bert instructs them to go up a floor and hit the emergency stop. And whatever they do, do not come back down until after they hear the boom. So then it cuts back to Riley and Clonnie. They spring into action and Clonnie tosses the C4. They go in the elevator. At that time, Bert starts reciting some script or something or another, saying he's hit, he's injured, he needs help. And then boom. After a brief moment of silence, Angel radios in and tells them to come back down and to bring the elevator back. They come back down and after a brief firefight, all four in the elevator. Bert then says, wouldn't it suck if the helicopter isn't there? Which I was like thinking, oh great, you know, something's going to happen. But it turned out to be just random. Riley then says, I'm so glad you're safe. Angel perks up and is all, really? Me? And Angel's, (laughs) yeah. 
Uh, and then Riley says, uh, both of you. After some small chatter, the elevator stops. Angel immediately asks, what did I touch? Turns out they're on the top floor with a helipad. Kalani says it's a bell and that it's perfect. Bert describes the chopper as being pristine, solid white with a solid blue tail and red stripe down the middle. The blades were tied down and the wheels had blocks around them holding them in place. Kalani asks Angel to take the blocks away and has Riley and Bert search for the keys while he frees the blades. They ultimately find a set of keys that work and Kalani tells them to hurry back over. In the background, you can hear the elevator coming up the floors. The doors open, zombies pour out, and Angel says there isn't anything to stop them between them and the chopper. Bert, in a moment of badassery, says, yeah, there is me, and he starts knocking heads. They all manage to hold them off and hop in the chopper and fly off into the sunset. Bert says he had almost accepted his death for the third time in his life, and maybe, just maybe, there was a reason he was still around. Yeah, that reason is because Casey wants to prove me wrong and not kill him off. <laughs> That's the reason. Um, and then in the final stretch, it cuts to Saul. He is still searching for Lizzie. He radios to the tower, and Kelly picks up. She asks if he's coming back in, that there are a lot of worried people. He says he's checking certain places, and Kelly spills the beans that he's at Eastern Day. He says, yes, he is, and it is empty, and he's coming home. Kelly says she'll let Broken Wing know. He then changes the radio channel. He says, Nest, can you hear me? Vulture, are you on this channel? There is silence. So then he says, all right, I know you're out there. I know you're listening. Answer me, Durai, or whatever the hell your name is. More silence. Answer me. I'm not going to stop until you do. Scratch answers with a yes. Saul says, I knew someone was listening. She responds with, what's it to you? Saul says, you have someone close to me and I want her back. Scratch says, that might be true. What does it matter? And then Saul ends, what if I got someone you want? Boom. What did you guys think? I think that the next person that complains that nothing happens in this story needs to be shot in the face. Once. With maybe just little bird shots so it doesn't hurt so bad, but enough that it gets their attention. The little BB gun. Yeah. Yeah, we got a lot going on. So, um, did this outcome surprise you guys? Did you think they were all going to escape? Yes. You did, really? Yes. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, there's no tension. It's like, oh, wow, really? They're going to kill Angel and Bert? No. Well, I expect, well, I guess since the whole rescue was done in one episode, it would have felt a little rushed had someone died but it spanned a little longer what do you think nick well i thought that they would both get out i wasn't sure how they were going to pull it off i and i know that they had the c4 but i thought the c4 was going to be used for something a little more epic than that because c4 does pack such a punch to it um mm -hmm. so i figured that it wouldn't be able to be used in such a confined space but you know i obviously don't know c4 as well as say like casey does and Bert, the character, no C4. So I, I totally buy into that, and that's, and that was a great way to get them out because you know he's been playing with the C4 for so long, air quotes so long, um, <clears throat> and it had to be used soon. But I didn't think it would be used in that way. So I'm, I'm glad it happened that way. I'm glad they both got out because, despite what everyone else seems to think, like you, Brittany, and you know, about three quarters of the forum. Uh, Bert still has stuff to do in the story, and Damn I don't miss, and I don't think it's the epic heroic death that everyone's calling for because I think he's got more interesting things to do beyond where his character is now. Like what? Well, he <laughs> he feels responsible for both Lizzie and Saul. Mm -hmm. If something befalls one of them, now you have a character that not only f feels responsible for the situation they're put in, but then the death. And if only one of them dies. 
Now he's got to deal with the surviving member of that relationship. Plus, he's got to deal with the surviving uh, mother if it's if Saul dies, which I think is going to happen. Personally, no. sorry, no. Uh, but if Saul's the one that bites it, then um, you know not only does Bert have to deal with Lizzie who's alive, he's got to deal with Tanya who's alive, who now has a dead son, and I think <laughs> that that is a lot. Like... I think that is a little more impact to it, which no one agrees with me, but I don't care. I, I think I'm right. <sighs> damn it. Of course you do. See, I don't know if Casey, because I know Casey served with Scott Marvin, who voices Bert. So I don't know if Casey can kill off Bert. I mean, that's what I've been telling myself is, you know, he can't kill off his best friend or they're not best friends, but they're friends. So that's kind of like my falling back point. But I still think Bert's going to die. It might not be in the season finale in two weeks, but he's going to croak. He's old anyway. Who knows? Well, yes, you can make you can make the blatant statement that someone is going to die. Yes, good job, Brittany. At some point, most of these characters are going to die. Yes. Okay, Greg, at least I don't like want every child that appears in this story to die. Well, maybe they should be better actors. <laughs> oh. Okay. Burn. You're, you're an asshole, Greg. You know what? I got to drop a fist sometimes. Put it down. You're right. These kids pretending to be blind. Not really blind. She doesn't know what she's talking she about. She doesn't sound blind. She can't possibly be blind. Alright, so I guess the main question here is what the hell is Saul up to? He's going to give away Michael. He's going to give away Michael. <laughs> yeah. Or Pegs. I think he's giving away Pegs. Yeah. He's yeah. going to try to give away Pegs. And if he's not going to physically give her away, he's going to give away her position while she's relatively to completely unguarded, which is Victor and Datu. Because he doesn't have to be there at all. He just has to point the direction. Like a person drop, like, leave Lizzie here, I'll go get her there. Once I get her, I tell you where this person is. You really think Saul would do that, though? So he would, I mean, because really, if he ultimately leads them to Pegs, and then obviously Victor and Datu are still there, he can never join the tower again, unless they never found out. Unless they never found out, or unless he's bluffing, which is the other prominent Saul lover theory is that he's bluffing at the idea that he's going to turn someone over. Right. And if that is the case, uh, I don't think we're going to know about it this season. I think that's going to be part of the cliffhanger. Yeah. So Saul is going to look like he's selling out pegs, but then he's going to do something to redeem himself, like in the first chapter of uh, season three. Mm-hmm. If that, if so that's Saul the... is Lando Calrissian. Yes, a little bit. Okay. Okay. I see. I don't get it. Oh God, you're such a young nerd. We will teach you, young Padwan. Pam G says, I think Saul has too much honor to offer up anyone but himself. He may lie and make them think he'll turn over pigs, but he won't do it. He would, however, willingly sacrifice himself for Lizzie. I agree. No one on the forum, I didn't hear anyone bring up Angel as a possible sacrificial lamb, or whatever you want to call him. I mean, likely it's pigs, but I know Scratch and Angel do have a history together. True, but at that point, he's trying... to wrap him up in a little package and a little bow and, you know, be cute. That would be amazing to see Chainsaw wrapped up in a bow. But <laughs> I think that to tr- to try and get Angel as the trade, if this, like, forcibly to get this person with the trade, I don't think that uh, as much of a pansy ass that, we all, uh, uh, that Angel is and we don't like him, mm. he put up enough of a fight to not let Saul do that. Yeah, I think... What's gonna happen? Well, what I'd like to see happen is that Saul. Do you think he's gonna go back to the tower first of all? No. No. Okay. I, well, I was hoping he would, you know, confront Pegs and be like, "Hey, you know, hey, bitch, I need your help." And she's, you know, <laughs> become so badass in her uh, old age, in the three months this whole thing has gone down, that she would, you know, willingly help, you know, set something up 
but then again, if he doesn't go back to the tower, the only way they could communicate that with Michael would be over CB, and I could not see that going down. They'd be very pissed off Michael Cross. Well, they'd be a very pissed off Michael Cross, and they'd be a very well aware of the plan Mullers who scan all radio frequencies. Yeah, so like, that's probably not going to happen. Um, Cupcake Zombie says, I get the feeling that Saul only really contacted the tower to double check what channel they were using, not to tell them that he was actually coming back. That is why he changed quickly, then double-checked. He did pass on information, but it was secondary to his confirmation of channel. I have a feeling that Saul is going to go for pigs with the Maulers, whether bluffing or not. And then the second chopper from Kane will land at the airport and all kinds of crazy will go down. Remember that Saul doesn't necessarily know that Bert, etc. have left the airport, so he may expect them to still be there to back him up. Um, Mr. Scott 101 says, I for one would like to bring up the point that Saul getting pigs is a major assumption being made. Neither party suggesting or insinuated that she was a potential trade piece. Also, I don't think Saul has any intention of heading back to the tower or LAX because of the time con- of the time consumation. Consumation is that even a word? <laughs> he wrote. Time- it is, but I think it's used in a different context. Usually. Yeah, I was just re- yeah. Um, <clears throat> the time that it would consume, we'll just say that. I think it's He's consumption most- is what you're trying yeah. to say. <laughs> He's most likely already thought of a scheme and probably already has something to do with any, some, or, or, or any of the parts laying around the arena. Well, that's a, he's not at the arena anymore. He's no. at Eastern Bay, so the time consumption to go from Eastern Bay to LAX would be minimal because they're like a stone's throw from each other. Like mm-hmm. every everything like in the Mullers territory on the on the very west coast is really really close. Is like down here is Eastern Bay, and then just a little bit farther north is LAX, and then there's the mall. So they're really close to. He's really close to LAX right now. Greg, what do you want to see happen? I want to see Saul be a bad guy. I think it'd be yeah. a fun turn. I think it'd be it's something because now he knows that Lizzie loves him, right? Like we, you know, the episode mm-hmm. before this one mm-hmm. that gets confirmed. He starts crying that he loves her too. Now he, you know, now it's all very black and white. And he'll do anything to save the woman he loves. And so I like the idea of him d- making this really, you know, evil choice or whatever. You know what I mean? But like in his the way he set up the morals, it would make sense. Where do you think Scratch, Tar, Brick, and Lizzie are? I mean, where where could they be? How much time has passed? It sounds like, you know, they're scanning all the radios again. So, like, GD Elite said, you know, it's not very likely that they'll have 40 radios in Scratch's car. True. So, could they be back at the colony? Are they with Dry? Are they in a position to talk about trading Lizzie, you know? Yeah, th- this is what makes me wonder whether or not, because, you know, we know the Mullers now have a vast amount of knowledge of, like, the layout of Los Angeles now. Mm. Uh, it makes me wonder if they didn't find the other tower just to retrofit it and use it to their own needs. So maybe they've set up shop in this other tower, despite the fact that its defenses have fallen. It mm. still has to have something in place, just just by the nature of the fact that if you cement up windows for three stories, yeah, you can't really break them all down, probably. So if they find the other tower, that that might be where they've set up now, and we have no idea where that is. So if Dry didn't go to the colony, maybe that other tower is further south. It's somewhere that, down south, yeah. Yeah, maybe that means that the that trip that uh, Sean took with Hope mm-hmm. and that other guy whose name just always escaped my memory, uh, maybe that's where they were. They were further south than we all yeah, thought they were. Yeah, because I'm assuming that's by the colony, because they made that trek there, so it couldn't have been... Yeah, right. it's, well, we know nothing about the trip. We don't know how long it was right. or anything like that, so it's hard to tell. Okay, so, Nick, you came up with the Pimpass zombie name, didn't you? Was that you? I think I was one of the first ones okay. to do it. So what what are you calling the dude in the uh, hospital? Is he still the Pimpass zombie? Who is this guy? The, whew, um, it's Paul. 
it's it's getting harder it's 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 getting harder and harder to tell if it's Paul if it's the one with the markings if it's ink because the descriptions always vary so yeah. it's hard to tell if it's because you know Kalani only knows this guy from the arena, the arena. and, and it is supposedly was this the same guy that led that ambush potentially on, the, on this on the second tower I don't know if that's the guy or not. Because I know when they, yeah, he said when when all that shit went down, Kalani told Michael, you know, you were lucky because this happened at the last tower. And that's that's the thing. It's so hard to know how many of them are out there right now because it seems like it almost seems because if the hospital was was in use and there's all this fresh blood, unless they were just doing these things in the time that, that like Kalani and Angel and Riley and Bert were running around the hospital being chased, unless they were like clipping people's toenails and and flooding <laughs> them all up downstairs right as they were doing that. You know, where does the fresh blood come from? So maybe there's two different factions of zombies. Maybe there's this dude in the pinstripe suit, and then there's Ink, who just is running the ambushes outside. You know, because it seems like there's different personalities involved. Like 500 places at once. Yeah, it just seems like there's different personalities involved. Like there's the one there. There's this guy, who is really seemingly like sociopathic in a way. Mm is very calm and very cool and collected. And then there's this ink guy that comes in and rips people's faces off and then, you know, gets shot and just, like, runs around and jumps out a window and does things, like, sort of on impulse. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure that the, I'm not sure if they're the same person. But if they are the same person, then he's got a really big split personality. <laughs> well, hey, because what re- leads me to believe that they are the same person is... No way. You don't think so? No, they're different. Okay. We got right. Paul, we got Ink. Got Paul? Because when it's Paul, whatever, when he was in the hallway, he was described as being covered from tattoos ahead of toe, which doesn't necessarily mean that's the Ink guy from the TiVo, but he was described, you know, tattoos, pinstripe suit, he jumps out a window, Bert shoots, hits the guy in the hand, and then this same guy was, you know, the mm. same guy from the arena, and his hand was disfigured. Right, and... It's 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 again it's because of the joy of it being a radio medium. We don't know what these people look like. Like if this was on TV, we would know. We would have a very good idea. Unless there was really cool camera tricks being used, we would know which one is which. If there's and there more wasn't than one. any description of pinstripes on a, or a suit or anything like that, was there? And that's the beautiful thing that Casey's doing with oh, the description of this guy, because it's prompting the debate. You don't know what this guy looks like. Like Lizzie always described, Lizzie described him with a pinstripe suit. Uh, Datu described him as a colored, or Datu Anskills described him as the colored one. Uh, you know, there's this one Racist. guy that's covered head to toe. Was that Datu? I, I thought that was Skittles. Skittles did it and then. So Greg, why do you think it's the same person? I think it's just the varying descriptions. I always, when I when I think of the pinstripes, when I think of Paul, I think of a very, and this is just based on what I've heard, you know what I mean? And the, the visions I put in my head. I, I imagine a very spry, you know, like, not thin, but, like, athletic build, you know what I mean? Whereas when I think of the tattooed monster, I think, of, you know, this giant hulking dude. Mm-hmm. Different MOs, different, you know, tactics for what they do. But but this is figured hand. That That is a hard one to refute. Is this the last we're going to see of the hospital? Mm, I'll say no. Probably I, not. That's, I mean, I have it just because of all the shit that's gone down. But what other reason would they need to return? Somebody gets captured and brought there. Okay. Possibly. Well, that's very that's very simple. Um, Hardcore says, the workshop in the mental hospital. I thought we might find a mental ward in the hospital, and I'm going with the assumption that that is where ink was being held before the outbreak. 
I'm also being reminded of Fallout 3 here. The super mutants capturing people and exposing them to FEV to make more. I think that's basically what's going on with the little ones. People are taken, exposed to some sort of chemical, shaved, have their fingernails filed down, and then tattooed by ink. So you think ink is the one doing the tattooing? Yeah, why not? Sure. I mean, it seems to make the most sense, but I mean, at the same would, time, yeah. why if, if he's doing the inking, why number them? That doesn't, you know, right. that to me doesn't make any sense to number them. And, okay, I don't know if I F this person's form name up, but I have Pinstripe down. Nick, is that a form member? Does that sound familiar to you? Um, nope. Okay, I might have just F this up, so I'm sorry. Well, they might, they really might be is... someone new that I haven't quite memorized well, their entire life talk... story yet. They talk about pinstripes in their posts, so I'm thinking I might have just like seen pinstripe and wrote pinstripe down. Gotcha. Anyway, this person says, in one of the early posts of this chapter, sorry for not giving credit where credit is due, but I am being lazy. Me too. It was speculated that pinstripe is a pawn in a larger plot. Since pinstripe has demonstrated intelligence, could his relative inaction with Riley and Kalani be a result of him having bigger fish to fry, namely figuring who, what is using him as a pawn? I fully recognize that this has a lot of ifs that need confirming to be true, but the thought entered my mind, and I thought I'd share. So his theory is that there's someone above this thing, this guy, controlling, like a, what What did we say on one episode, like a brood, brood mother, brood mother or something? Like a crazy, like, mom spitting out baby zombies? I'm not going to support you on a brood mother, no. Hey, by the way, that's Hey You in the Bushes that had that. That 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 goes to my least favorite theory, so I'm gonna say no. I hate the queen. I hate the queen zombie theory. He's making it sound like that that pinstripe's cognizant of the queen zombie theory and is breaking out of it, and that's why he's not attacking him. Not so much that he's under their control, that he's wise enough to figure out he's being used and now wants to get to the bottom of it. I don't think that's what's happening. No, me neither. I I don't know why he wouldn't pursue them though. Yeah, that was interesting when he just stood there and laughed. Yeah, <laughs> he shot me with an arrow. <laughs> I mean, that could be. Because, I mean, the key's in the door already, and it's unlocked. It's almost like this person is pushing them to where they need to go. So I don't, I, I, that, that opens up an entire can of worms that I don't know that needs to be opened right now. Because we don't have enough information, but, I mean, that's, <clears throat> who knows, like, to the point that if this guy believes that there's a bigger threat out there, and that these people could be allies in some way, but that's again, that's op- that's a huge can of worms to open, and I don't want to really open it. So those were the topics I had about the episode. If you guys have anything else you want to bring up, go for it. Otherwise, Nick, I guess we can jump into your half-assed predictions. Hey, why don't you blow me? No, uh, the other thing I wanted to bring <laughs> up was the, the fact that uh, the insane asylum wasn't marked on a map. And they didn't know, like the building didn't exist. So what did that? What did that mean to you, Nick? It meant that it's it's not it's not something that normal public people have access to. So that does sort of support the idea that this is where uh, Bill Roberts might have been kept before, because it's like a criminally insane place. So normal people don't have the ability to be checked in there. Now, someone on the forums. Brought, they actually did some research, and they found that quote, I bring peace to troubled minds or whatnot. Oh that my place God. is real. Like, it, it really exists. Pretty sure that was Arthur Lamarche. Because Google is always accurate. I Googled it. And it says, Cane Hill was a psychiatric hospital in Coulson in the London borough of, I don't know, Croydon, whatever. Anyway, so it pretty much was an asylum. So um, if you Google it, I'm sure you'll find accurate information as to where Casey got his inspiration or whatever you want to call it. Okay, Nick, go into your predictions, homie. <laughs> so I did better this time 
than I did say the previous time because Casey didn't take me through the freaking ringer this time. <laughs> um, so the first prediction again from last time was Saul was going to the arena. Yes, he did. Saul did go to the arena. He did, yes. and he had a nice little tear jerking moment. It was so sweet. It made my heart go pitter patter. Uh, did you have? A, did you guys puddle up at that point? Anyone? Greg, we, I don't think you're running. No, I'm a man. Uh, I actually did not puddle up on that at all because I was sort of kind of listening to the majority of Chapter 23 while on my honeymoon. So I oh. had to sort of clandestinely <laughs> listen to it. It's like, oh, yeah, sure, honey, go take a shower. We're alive. So I had to try and sneak it in as, as quickly as I possibly could. And then I had my wife listen to uh, the Season 1 CD set while we were in the car. Oh, and yeah? now she, she like and it? now she's addicted to it too. Nice. Totally. She can come on the next Voodoo Lounge. Oh God. Oh whoa. No, no, that's whoa. not that's not fair, man. That's not fair. I get. I, I'm trying to earn you brownie points, dude. You know, quality bonding time with your wife on a podcast about a podcast. But if you don't want it, that's fine. Man, she'll destroy me on here. You have no idea. You you guys think that I'm scary, intimidating when I'm on the forum? Man, she's got to put up with me all the time. She doesn't take my crap. Uh, anyway. Um, that's how I remember we'll try to intercept Saul. That didn't happen. Unless by intercept you mean, uh, let him do what he wants. Sure. Uh. Uh, he didn't hotwire or whatever you said. Tamper with or disable the other vehicles before he left, which I still don't understand why he didn't do other than to set Wait, do we even, we don't know that though, because they haven't tried to drive away yet. Well, yeah, but I, the intent, the intent of it was that they were going to chase after him and stop him, attempt to stop him and Saul would get away, but. That 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 was a loss, and that was the first. That was actually the first time the the forum got something right that I didn't. So go forum. Oh, look at you! Yay, forum! You won. Uh, the LAX crew will get to the medevac chopper. They did. They will be in exploration of the hospital. Up until part three, I would have said that was a loss because mm -hmm. they didn't really explore the hospital. They were just kind of going from point A to point B and getting lost. That's not really exploring. That's not being able to read a map. Uh, but finding the tattoo gun and nails and. What are you doing? Oh, nothing. Actually, I am doing something. No, no. Tell us. <laughs> I told really you I was pounding on the table like three episodes ago. <laughs> um, I have an envelope in front of me and I'm cutting hearts out of it. If you want the truth. What the fuck? That's so sweet. I fidget when I'm not talking and it's here. I have a pair of scissors and I have an envelope and I, I'll take a picture of it if you want. I'm, I'm so glad that I entertain you so much that you have to cut hearts out of envelopes. I'm listening. God damn it. Continue. Tanya discovers a discrepancy in the journal, uh, which in Grand KC fashion was hinted at but never actually disclosed as to what it was. Because Michael so, can't keep his fat mouth shut. I know. Fucking prick. Um, <laughs> I mean, what? So, uh, I said no, it wasn't going to be a discrepancy, and we don't know if it's a discrepancy or if it's a through line that she found or whatever. So, it's not a discrepancy she found. She just found something, but we don't know what it is. So, I win that one, too. Uh, Skittle, <laughs> Skittle warns the towers of something big coming. Skittles! Uh, Skittles was not heard hide nor hair Here we of. go, Nick. I have a question for you. Do you think we're going to see Skittles again? Uh, Will we see Skittles again? Greg, you're such a hater. God. <laughs> yes, we're going to see him again, sadly. I agree. We're going to see Skittles again. We're not going to see Skittles again until probably the middle of season three. Oh, thank God. Wait, 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 wait. So you don't think, then, that they're going to go to Fort Irwin at the end of finale? Nope. Okay. Not at all. Um, but Skittles coming to warn the tower? No, of course not. There will be a massive zombie attack, and this is where the debate begins, because I'm saying that what happened at the hospital wasn't a massive zombie attack. There was a massive army of people. But there wasn't a massive attack. 
if it was a massive attack, that door would have been broken down in no time. Exactly. Because rioters at a Walmart going for a TV on Black Friday can break a door down <laughs> faster than the zombies can break those that down. So I'm yeah, saying they didn't no. even try to infiltrate the second building either. Right. Like, if it was a massive zombie attack, Riley and Kalani would have been running for their lives this entire time. They wouldn't have right. had a chance to, like, slowly meander around and take time to pull back an arrow and let it fly at the dude in the suit. So I'm saying so not wait, as massive I, attack. I have a question. I'm just thinking out loud here. So... When they first got to the hospital, they were all, all the zombies, or most of whatever, being summoned back, right? And they were, like, carrying, like, body parts and everything. Or they were going there in mass. I don't know if they are being summoned back, but yes. They were heading. There's never any more mention of that at all, was there? No. So they could be flooding, like, the bottom floor of the hospital, but we wouldn't know. Possibly, but Bert said when, he flew, when they were flying away that he saw them looking up at him. Like, they all saw the helicopter flying away. So as they were flying away, he had to still be able to see them outside. So I think that most of them were still outside. Okay, continue. So that's the end of that. So the overall record for that chapter was 6-2, and two, no draws. So that brings me to 25-14-2 and two overall since I started doing this in February. Hooray! <sighs> so, the predictions for the season finale. Uh-huh. Uh, I am betting that... Drum roll, please. Because you have a lot to cover because... Yes, there's a lot to cover in the story still, and I have no idea what is going to actually be covered in there, but there's so many loose ends, but we have a few less loose ends than we did going into Chapter 23, so it's a little more focused as to what should happen. So the first one we've already covered, Saul is planning on trading pegs, which I think is, I think, personally, is a guarantee. I'm not sure I'm putting the guarantee tag on it, but I'm pretty sure that the only person that the tower has that Scratch would want. That Scratch would want is Pegs, and he's dealing with Scratch. He's not dealing with Dari. If he was dealing with Dari, I feel like he would probably put Scratch on the line instead and be like, "Yeah, you know, I really actually want to talk to this person. Can I just talk to her, mm-hmm. please?" Um, um, I have, a quick, I have to rewind again. So when Angel dropped off Flash's body to Scratch, there was like a mutual understanding. There wasn't like a deal made or any sorts. Right, when Angel's like, okay, I'd do this, you leave us alone, or anything right. like that. Right, no, she said it changes nothing. Okay, you re- that's She right. said, you realize right. it changes nothing, and he says, yeah, she knows that. And then they left it at that, was that, yes, Pegs know this This changes absolutely nothing in the situation that they have together. So she knows that she's just going to have to deal with it at some time. And it seems as though that Saul is going to be pushing this sometime forward a little bit quicker than I think anyone wants uh, the other prediction I have is now there is a massive zombie attack in some variety. We have a bunch of people scouting, like, hanging out in front of the tower, and despite what Steven says, they're not there to uh, act as guards in the way that Steven thinks. They're there to act as guards against the tower. Like, they're hanging out outside to make sure the tower doesn't go anywhere, and they're doing their job effectively. So you think when a hel- when the helicopter lands, you think that's when they're gonna go batshit? That might be it, and it depends. It doesn't. I'm, we're not sure whether the helicopter is going back to the towers to leave it there, or if they are going back to LAX. So that is that would be the big question: is if they all go to LAX, which I think is probably going to be the case because that creates a bigger conflict, especially if Saul is going to get pegs for a trade. Um, I do think that Saul is bluffing, but I don't think we're gonna find out this season. I think that, again, that's going to happen next season, after the bluff has already happened. But it might be too late at that point, because the other prediction I have that I'm giving you now is that a main character is going to die, and they're going to die because of Scratch. I'm not sure I'm going to put a main, uh, who I think it's going to be yet, but I think it's obvious that everyone thinks I think it's going to be Saul. But 
Uh, you know, Casey said on the old forum before it was taken down, destroyed, burned, and thrown into a ditch in the backyard that um, everyone is going to hate Scratch this season, and they're going to have a really good reason for it. And you know what? I don't think there's a good enough reason yet. I really don't. She hasn't done anything that's... To hate Scratch? To, to really, really hate Scratch yet. She hasn't done anything that's too horrible. So I think that that has to come at some point. I think it's coming now, and I think it's in the form of killing a character, a main character off. Those are four predictions for you out of God knows how many, because I have a lot of things I feel like talking about. And again, they're going to be coming out on Monday the 25th instead of this upcoming Monday the 18th. So take a look for those. I'm going to ask you to make a prediction on the spot. All right. So when they were back at the arena, there was mention of a weapon that they got from the vault, right? Uh, believe the, the so. Maulers. Yep. Yeah. What, what do you think is going to happen with that, buddy? They're going to use it to shoot down the helicopter? <gasps> Some people have brought that up, and I'm not sure. Because um, I, I don't know how large that vault was. And the things that people are presenting are long tube-like objects that basically are like a small bazooka. Like some like rocket power grenade launcher that you like hoist onto your shoulder. They're small, but I think that they're too big to fit into those safes. So I'm not sure what it could be. Um, it's obviously something that's going to have a huge impact in the story in some manner, and that could very well be what Scratch uses to end someone's life this chapter. Dun dun dun. Dun dun Okay, Greg, I want to hear from you. You've been too quiet. What's going to happen in the finale? Um, no. I think Michael's going to turn into a zombie. Oh, my God. No, I, I don't know. I don't want to know. I don't want to think about it too much. Like, I, I think that uh, Saul's going to make this trade. And I do, and I, sadly, I do totally think that's going to be the cliffhanger, right? I think that it's going to make it for sure look like he's betrayed the tower and given them pegs. But we won't know until the end if he really did. And I really hope he did. I really hope he betrays them. Because that'll, that'll be so interesting to go forward for the next season, right? If you open it up with Lizzie and him embracing, and she's like, how did this happen? And he's like, well, I kind of traded pegs. And then she's going to freak out and not love him anymore. And then it'll, you know, then he's going to be his outcast, his pariah, and go from there. So, I do agree. Okay, Greg, Somebody's going to die. Do you, think this show, do you find the show getting a little too, like, not cookie cutter, but like you want something like really interesting to happen? I could go for that, sure. Okay, because I'm right. just wondering, because you know, you're like, this character should die, this character should die, I want Saul to end up being a bad guy. I'm just wondering where you're coming yeah, from. Yeah, I'm just ready for, you know, something crazy to happen, right? I mean, for it to be shook up. There was a time, like, when we used to listen to it, right? And it felt like you never knew what was about to happen. And I, it feels like we, we've we all lost some of that somewhere along the line, at least for me and you, Brittany. I talked to you the most about it, obviously. And, and like, you know, you listen, and it's like, yeah, I had no doubt that Angel and Bert were going to be saved. And especially when they started doing the cheesy countdown, like, all right, we're going to open the door in three, two. All right. And I'm like, I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for whatever's for about to happen. Oh, there it is. Okay, cool. Uh-huh. Like, I'm ready to get back to, holy shit, I can't fucking believe that just happened. Right. I think we're not going to get any of that until, like Nick was saying, the main character is killed off. Because right now, yeah. I think we just yeah. feel so, like, safe. You know, like, oh, no one's going to die. I mean, I love the cast that we have now, but to deepen as a story or whatever you want to call it, I think, some, you know, pe- like, some of the best movies and films and novels, people die in it. That's just how it is. It's just it's like real life, Brittany. It's, it's just like real life. And th- I mean, that's oh, another God. part of it where it gets too predictable. It could be that it's setting itself up to be like, oh, by the way, no, you really don't know what's going on, and here's why. And he, like, you know, for all we know. Angel goes and dies, or you know, someone, mm-hmm. someone huge and important. Because like, even when Bill and Tommy died, I really, I mean, at first I was like, wait, who was Bill again? Yeah, you know? the secondary character. And even Tommy, I really didn't care either. So we haven't had like a main 
character be killed off yet. Right. And usually, like, when you look at the majority of zombie lore, the main characters don't die very quickly. They usually last a little bit longer, so you get more attached to them. So when they do die, the futility of the existence that you're living in, the zombie apocalypse, it becomes just so much bigger because, oh, this person can't die. They're so important. Unless no, but you're they really can. I am legend. Then you're just you're always. Well, right. then you're just a pimp, and it doesn't count. <laughs> All right, so we can move on to some other news. We have a nomination for an official "We're Not Dead" drink submitted by Michelle. She was on our podcast last week. It's called the Nuclear Powered Zombie Recipe. It requires three ounces of Bacardi 151 rum, two ounce Midori, two ounce Bacardi light rum, eight ounce of cherry brandy. So you pour in three shots of the Bacardi, two shots of Midori, two shots of the light, and then top it off with your favorite cherry brandy in that order. You may garnish it with an orange slice and a cherry if you would like. Uh, sounds good. Uh, I have a love-hate relationship with uh, rum, and it loves to hate me. So, and I also have. Oh, don't a, be a pussy. Sorry, I have a dog in this race anyway, so anyone's drink that gets proposed while I'm on, I'm just gonna shoot it down because I want the dirty girl Scott to win. One fifty one. No, that one doesn't win. You know, 151 like, is way too expensive. I tried to make a Tech Nines drink once, uh, which is a, a Caribou Lou, and it involves 151. I went, to, I went to the store of Brit to buy this bottle of 151. I was like, God damn it, Tech Nine. I, I am not a rapper. I do not have this kind of money to spend <laughs> on rum. You don't have the dough, if you will. I don't, I don't have that kind of dough. How much is it? You can buy those like little airplane shots of it, but I mean, if you're going to have more than one person over, that's exactly. a lot of those because that's three shots, and can that's a lot of money. you just buy cheaper rum? It means they're all the same, pretty much. Yeah, you probably yeah, could. Yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're rich, go for it. If not, just get the, the cheap shit. Um, also, in important news, We're Alive's final chapter of the season will be streamed in its entirety on July 30th at 10 a.m. Pacific. Is that correct? Sounds right, yeah. Sounds about right, 10 a.m. Uh, details, I'm sure. Have there, where can we listen to this? You know, I don't actually know where uh, Case... I should know this because I'm the host, but I depend on you too much, Nick, and I'm slacking. Well, that's okay. I actually don't know the answer because I didn't think that Casey had decided where he was streaming it yet, so... Well, I haven't seen any concrete details yet, but I'm sure if you just go on the forum, zombiepodcast.com slash forum, you can find all the details. Keep an eye on the top news section. It'll go there whenever it decides to be announced, officially. Exactly. Um, and kind of have a casting call, sort of, kind of. During the summer, Greg and I and guests will be reviewing extra, ch- the prior chapters, kind of like we did with, um, chapter one. We'll be interviewing actors, etc. We have a few people that have already signed up, but if you're interested, send me an email to... We're not dead. Podcast at gmail.com. This is to be, this is to be a, a, a co-host, right? This is to be a co-host for one of right. the, um, prior chapter reviews. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so uh, we'll probably do four people per episode, just that way we can squeeze everybody in. Cool. If you have sent me an email and I have ignored you, uh, I'm sorry. I'm pr- I probably have read it. I just haven't responded yet. We have some listener mail. Dear Greg and Brits, I believe that everyone, if not almost everyone, will make it out of L.A. This is just a prediction. If anyone were to die, it would probably be Bert and or Lizzie. The rat will be made. Also, I think that maybe we'll get to see the man in the pinstripe suit up close. One last thing. Is that the question from the last episode? What color is Mr. Whiskers? Last week we asked um, what color is Mr. Whiskers. I think our... Crap! I'm gonna sound like the worst person ever. Who was our guest from it last week? It was Job. <laughs> oh, it was. Oh, fuck! I'm terrible. You anyway, yeah. Suck. He, <laughs> oh, that was two weeks ago. I can't remember that far in the past. Anyway, he um, just threw out a trivia question just for shits. What color is Mr. Whiskers? Greg, do you know? Nope. Oh, uh, I know. It, well, Mr. Whiskers is based off of Casey's cat. 
which I know you've seen in real life, but in case you forgot. Uh, he's a dog. He's a dog, actually. He's the cat that loved me, the cat that slept with me every the night. Dog, the dog is part coyote. Was it really? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Boom. Trivia. Anywho, um, black and white. There you go. Sincerely, Steven. I'm going to butcher your last name, buddy. Quintanilla. Wow, that's a name. One of your biggest fans. Thank you. He said, oh, P.S. I'm the young boy from the trivia at the Night in the Flesh event at Meltdown Comics who got the sandwich question right and one of the first to receive a t-shirt and show it off. I'm wondering if he was the one that modeled it for us. I hope so. I hope so, too. From Paul Chambers. says, the beginning with the one from the arena really scared me. It was fantastic. My heart was racing through the entire episode. This was the best episode ending of the entire series. Kalani mentioned two radio frequencies, 2-1 and 8-2. I thought those were episode numbers. In Chapter 2, Part 1, Lizzie came to the tower, and during the commotion, Saul seems to be missing until all the action is over. Michael asks where he was and then interrupts him, and we don't figure out where Saul was. In 8-2, I didn't hear anything interesting, but Angel did want to turn on the radio on the way to the water pumping station, and Michael said no. Well, where was Saul? Oh, he was still sleeping, and his pants were upstairs where the keys were. We have an email from Jake Johnson, and he has eight uh, questions, predictions, so I don't want to read all eight because that would take forever. So, Greg, pick a number between one and eight. Seven. Seven. Who do you think is not going to die in the whole show? I choose Sergeant Michael Cross. I think that is the best bet. That's probably the safest mm-hmm. bet. Yeah. I, I don't know if Angel will be killed off. He'll be If, if he's going to die, it'll be like in the last couple episodes. Or when him and Casey have this giant fight and refuse to talk to each other. I mean, the, the, other, the other nice thing about being the producer is, and knowing... I assume, I don't know for certain, but Shane does know where the story's going, right? There's like two people. It's like Casey and Shane that know where the story's going. It could be that Shane picked a really good character that would have the most impact, meaning that if he dies, <laughs> he would have a very big impact. So he'd be okay with dying, even though he wouldn't be in the show anymore. But, you know... Thank you, Jake. And we have from Bradley Frazier, you asshat. He <laughs> says, so I'm singing he says, So I'm singing that Brit was wrong, Bert still lives song and dancing. Correspondingly, yes, I know we still have the finale, but even he said he still had a purpose. Also, I believe Saul is bluffing. To actually trade pegs for Lizzie is out of character. I caught so much crap from everybody because Bert lived. From David Castro. Hey there, Britt and Greg, if you're finally on an episode. Been listening listening to you guys since like episode four. You're both awesome. This is just something I've been doing in my head of late, collecting my favorite moments of real life. Overall, it's that moment in the first episode when Michael is describing Pegs and Riley. Because when I watch the live reading of the look, when I watched the live reading, the look of the actress that plays Pigs, I forgot her name, had the best look on her face. For scariest moments, it would probably have to be It's Paul moment or when Tardis was about to rape Lizzie. I was sitting, shaking, hoping Casey wasn't going to make me listen to that happening. The status had been in the last episode when Angel was telling Riley to go. That hit me hard. What is your favorite moment in the show? <laughs> I am a big fan of It's Paul, the Paul moment. Is that why you always say it all the time? Probably. I think it's one of those, like, oh, that was, like that's what I'm talking about. That was a holy shit moment where you're like, holy fucking shit, that thing's talking. Why don't they understand? That's not really Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, is chapter one, I mean, the first episode, I am a huge fan. Like, one of my favorite parts of any zombie what genre is when the outbreak first occurs. Like, I love seeing how people react to it. So, you know, to listen to it on the news, to listen to the riots happening, you know, the explosions, the hesitation, I like that part. I think every time one of the pimp god zombie fuckers shows up, that's my old... Those are, those are my favorite moments. Make your pants tight when that happens. Oh, so bad. No, uh, <laughs> it's just because, like, especially because of the general, like, 
attitude, cool, calm, collected, despite what they are about to do. Like seeing seeing the guy, seeing the dude in the pinstripes, overseeing the attack on the Maulers, just overseeing. He's not doing anything. He's just orchestrating the whole thing. And the same thing in chapter thirteen when he's on the other rooftop watching the whole thing happen while they're down there fighting for their lives on the fire truck. That's just it's like this cool guy just like pacing back and forth, kind of a thing. Just watching it through the smoke, like, yep. Did he have a cape on? Was it, like, cracking in the wind? <laughs> you know, like, all dramatic And he had, like, lights. little bat ears. And then there was a flash of lightning and he disappeared. There you go. Um, last one comes from Sean. He was the fellow that sent us the email last week where he dreamt about what he thought was going to happen with the bed sheets. And, you know, you time down, jump down a uh, floor below you, yada, yada, yada. He says, part one, sadly, my dream was not a premonition, though I will admit Casey's version was much more thrilling. He says, part two, my herps were answered, and good old Bert is still alive and well. And part three, can you guys please send my thanks to Casey? This was the first episode since season one where I was actually scared while listening. It was wonderful, and I missed it so much. The story is great, and I love the characters, but the fear is what makes this program the best part of my work week. Thank you, Desert Eagle. All right, well, I guess we're ready to wrap this bad boy up, unless you guys have any final words. Just got one more thing. I'll be right back. i got to get a power supply. Okay, well, <laughs> while he's doing that, uh, there I got one more thing to promote, just so you guys know, and it's in it's in reference to the uh, th- streaming event on the thirtieth for Chapter Twenty Four. Uh, we have made the next official Facebook slash social media day. Uh, we're gonna start advertising Wednesday, Ju- July twentieth. So on July twentieth, uh, bombard your friends on social media networks for We're Live to promote. Uh, chapter 30 and also to promote the podcast in general we picked the 20th so that way people have an entire 10 days to try and catch up on the series because we understand that at this point it's you know almost a full day's worth of listening straight through so we want to give people enough time to listen through the whole thing so if you on wednesday july 20th if you're lucky enough to have google plus do it there if you're if you're on facebook do it there twitter do it there can we talk about this google plus for a second what i don't even understand it's like It's, it's a it's another facebook but with circles. But it's kind of like Twitter because on Facebook you have to be friends with someone in order to like share information or whatever you want to call it. But on Google, people somewhat follow you. Yeah, something like that. Yes, something like that. You can put people into circles and you know restrict what your friend everybody sees, and then yeah, there can be just outsiders who watch you like Twitter. Yeah. Okay. But it's Do all. You guys it, like it? It's it is it's not bad. Like I I've, I've been playing around with it and. I I actually really like the circles idea. It's so much easier to use than the Facebook uh, friends and family grouping thing that they created like five or six years after I already had 800 friends. So it was like, I'm not doing all this extra work. This is just annoying. I don't care what people see anymore. Yeah, I like it. It's easier <laughs> to keep people kind of organized. I mean, I don't even know how many people are in my circle or whatever you want to call it. I think it's like 80 something. So I have like 10 groups of eight. Yeah, something like that. You know, so it's just, like, it's easier to just, like, keep, like, hurting them. It's kind of nice. But, um, anyway, so, yeah, Nick, do that social networking or whatever it was you were talking about before I interrupted Official you. Facebook Whole day. So do it. Do there it, we go. Do it on the 20th. Start doing it then, and then do, do it. it. Just do it just through do it. the entire 10 days leading up to the 24th. Get people to listen to We're Alive. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you, Nick. Thank you. Thank you, Greg. And I guess I'll thank myself. You narcissist. I know. I'm a terrible person. Thank you for listening to We're Not Dead, and we're out.